Hello! This episode of Drinks with Tony is sponsored by Low Self-Esteem. Low Self-Esteem, because you mean nothing to nobody. Low Self-Esteem, because yes, everyone is better than you. Low Self-Esteem, because we don't care what you have to say. Now, with that low self-esteem, adjust your posture, close your shoulders into your heart, and drag your feet. Low self-esteem, it's free, and even if you don't have it at this moment, you can always find ways to attain it. And now, on with the show. Hey, this is Jack Grisham, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show! We'll start. We'll start with the. We'll start with. I'll sound really smart for a second, and then we'll just go to oh, talk. I'll never sound smart. So <laughs> handle it for both of us, if you will. Okay, you're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony DeShane. Today on the show, we have Jack Grisham. His not books include An American Demon, A Principle of Recovery, Code Blue, A Love Story, Untamed, and I Wish There Were Monsters. Hey, Jack. Hi. Good to see you, Tony. It's nice to be here. Oh, it's great to see you, too. You look so tan. Where have you been? <laughs> How was that for an opening? Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, somebody who somebody said uh, this morning, some old guy walks up and goes, you look a, a lot like John Wayne. I go, really? oh, I don't know how popular that is at the moment, but yeah, I want to thank you for that. Uh, yeah, I just got, I was in Cuba. I just got back from Cuba, uh-huh. so it was gorgeous. And uh, what, were you like in Havana? What was, uh, was it a vacation or was it a, you know? Well, uh, my mom used to live there, oh, so it was kind of, my mom just died in November, so I, oh. I kind of, it was just kind of like one of those, I just thought, okay, I'm going to go, I'm just yeah. going to see it, I just want to go, and I just want to be in the city, yeah. and and I'm a socialist, so it actually was interesting to see how it failed. Really? Yeah, in my opinion, yeah. yeah. So, and um, so you were born in Cuba? I was not. Um, and neither was my mother. Uh, okay. She lived there, her uh, father was in the military. And he was stationed there, so she lived there for a while. So, so this is pre. This Baptista. It's you know this is pre Castro. So, right, right. and it's kind of there's something so intriguing about like going back to our roots because I because I always kind of trip out on my you know my grandpa and the, oh I'm writing a book about my Norwegian grandpa right now, and it's just part of it is like oh wow this is why I'm so fucked up on so many levels and then it's and then the other part is like well it's kind of fun to see this and then I'm not sure I don't want to even dig in too deep and then I'm way too far in so. yeah the the uh the what you'll call it, the train of dysfunction goes deep oh. it just you know you're going you're walking into a tunnel of you know when I I started when I started looking at my parents and letting some resentment go and all that stuff it's like I had to look at, well, yeah, well, how were they treated? And then how were those people treated? And how were those right. people treated? And how long this has gone? And where do you even put... It's like the big bang theory of dysfunction. Where do you put the blame on? Yeah. You know, somebody somewhere down the road had a real fuck day and decided they were going to take it out on their kid. And then it just, bing, 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 bing. It just trickled down like ripples in a pond. And then that, and then that, that makes me question: How are the functioning people and the people who seem to get along so much better in life, and seem to have had great like upbringings? What what was the difference between people like me and people like them? I don't, I don't know what that answer is. Yeah, I don't think I've I've never to, to this day I've never really met someone that's functioning yeah. pr- properly. I've never. It just takes a minute. Like I used to, I used to bust people's balls because I'd see these guys quoting these guys. They're going to quote, you know, they're going to quote this spiritual leader and this guy and this guy and this guy. And I finally came to the realization that no one 
who is peaceful writes a book about peace. It's never, never, because there's, if they were peaceful and settled and solid and good, the thought of writing a book about it, I can't see coming into mind. I'm good as I am. I'm here. I don't have, there's no pressing need for me to get this out and how important peace is and blah, 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 and all this bullshit. When you really start getting down to it, you start looking at these people. It's like, okay, this guy had trouble with these people. This guy had trouble with these people. This guy was dealing with these demons. This guy had these, you know. So when you start looking at it, you realize that these guys are writing these books because they had issues. Every single fucking one of them had an issue and sometimes you just have to dig deep enough yeah. to find out where the wall is that their back is against interesting and that's why and that's why they had to write the book about peace because they had the struggle before where shit was bad and then they they may have attained it in some way and they're like i need to write a book about this <laughs> something or even the fact that they still don't see it and somehow yeah. in writing that book that they're going to get some sort of control over their destiny or whatever. And for me, I believe in chaos, so I have no need to write any books about peace. I'm quite fine. I'm fine as is. I really don't give a fuck. I'd love to have I'd love to have a book about peace by you. That would be awesome. Just just on principle, not on principle, on a... I'm sorry, I'm I'm functioning on low cylinders today. But just uh, because here, well, I'll segue from that because when I see you read live and when I when I've read your work, it is it seems like it's so utterly tragic, but you deliver it in such a funny way. There's such an awful tragedy to it, and there's like, why am I laughing at this? This is terrible, but it's uh, it's just funny. I I don't know I don't know if you do that on purpose or. Yeah, I think it's more nerves, but you did just give me a good idea I, uh, for a book about peace. I'm going to call it Hypocrite, My Journey to Peace. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm going to take it. Yes. Have a picture of me posed in some Zen-like state <laughs> in the front. <laughs> well, it is funny. I mean, you got to laugh. There's yeah. no, I mean, you know, look, man, if you don't, I'm hanging myself. You know what I mean? And that's really it. And I, I, I'm really, sorry. That's all right. Uh, Who was it? Tinkerbell. Oh, okay. Uh, and that's kind of a joke. Uh, it, it, that's a friend of mine, and she's Chinese. And uh, so the the boyfriend, hey, Tinkerbell, it's kind of like a, it's really fucked up. It's really racist and fucked up, but it's actually kind of fun. To me, it's kind of funny. It's endearing. Yeah, it's endearing. So, but... But some of this stuff, you know, when you're writing about, you're writing about sexual abuse, you're writing about alcoholism, you're writing about, it's like, look, man, you, you got it. If you don't, if you don't, if there's no humor in the delivery, if there's no little smugness, a wink, a fucking, it's like you're done. And anyone around you is done. I, I remember when I first wrote An American Demon, I sent a first draft to a friend of mine and he, he was, he goes, Jack, I'm 10 pages into it. And I... I, he goes, I'm 10 pages into it, and I already know what I want to say, and I don't have to finish the rest of the book. And he go, I go, what? And he goes, look. He goes, you're an asshole, but you're like a really lovable asshole, right? It's like we all love you for being an asshole. And he yeah. goes, so far, the character in this book is not. I'm 10 pages in, and I want you dead. You need to look at it again. And so, so I went back and re, you know, renegotiated with the character I guess if that's what you want to say yeah, yeah. and uh, but he but he was right so so a lot of this stuff it's got to be man I 
it's got it there's got to be a little tongue-in-cheek there's got to be a little laugh you know what i mean it's like i can imagine one of the one of the thieves hanging next to christ saying so what were those 16 penny i mean you gotta fucking there's got to be something it's gonna just be like hey look man we're nailed here this is fucked but let's just let's just laugh for a minute this is kind of funny and you know, and even to this day, we, we have a we have a like a kind of a code name for it. It's called going on a thriller. Uh-huh. So when shit gets really like out of control, yeah. it's called going on a thriller. So sometimes I'll be with somebody and one of my friends will get a phone call and, and somebody will go, well, hey, where are you? And I'll hear him go, I'm on a thriller with Jack. I don't know where this is fucking, you know, the car's on fire. Uh-huh. We're stranded. Yeah. I don't have my medication. <laughs> this right. is, you know, whatever. Yeah. And you just kind of laugh. You just laugh and roll. That's it. I love that because that's almost I, that's almost like looking at like the narrative of our lives, and that's how I try to look at like you know when things are going bad. This is like a chapter, and I'm the character in the in the in it. And it you know it, it does get better. There's the ebb and flow. So if you're in a thriller, you know the thriller is going to slow down for a minute, and the hero is going to like be on the beach and collect his thoughts before on to the next journey. I guess. And I think that that's what's bitching. Like when you really realize, and yeah, things are fucked and you're crying and you're hurt here and this is terrible. It's a tragedy. But but then the realization that like, hey, I'm in a movie, man. You know, it's like I'm in a movie. This is not real. Luckily, my my grasp on reality is so weak that it's that I can just look at it and say, hey, I'm I'm in a movie. Okay, I had an issue where, um, you know, I. I don't do it out of the goodness of my heart. I do it out of guilt, right? So I donate money to charities and this kind of shit, right? So, so it was really funny. I was homeless. This is about a year and a half ago. So I have no car. I have no house. I have no money. And I had been donating money to these charities and, and a lot of money, like giving them a lot of money. When I have it, I dump it. I don't give a fuck. It's just money, right? So I'm dumping it. And so, so I'm in the park and I'm smoking a cigarette and everything I have, well, I had some stuff in storage, the big stuff that you can't carry when you're walking around. And uh, everything is in a plastic box. And I'm sitting on a park bench smoking a cigarette because I got nowhere to go. I don't know where I'm going to sleep. I don't have anywhere to go. And one of these charities calls me and invites me to a $1,000 plate dinner. <laughs> so I just I started laughing. I said, hey, do you guys got a bed? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, do you guys got a bed over there? So it was just kind of... Like, you just have to, you know, it's like, come on, man. You either hang yourself or laugh. Right. And I'm going to go with a laugh. Yeah. Well, because uh, the laughter, there, there's continuing laughter coming. If you hang yourself, that's the end of the, that's the, end of the book. And yeah. not, not a fun ending. <laughs> no, and it's a story. And when it really comes down to it, it's like, I, you know, whatever. I, I, you know, fucking punch me when I hear this back. But it's like I'm a storyteller. So the minute I get involved in, I'm in a story. And I told my kid that. My kid just signed up for this trip to China doing something. She goes, I don't know, Dad. It was like, it wasn't very much money. And it seems kind of weird. And I don't know. I go, sweetheart, look, either you're going to go and it's going to be bitching. Or you're going to go and it's just going to be a total fucking catastrophe. And you're going to have a bitching story to tell when you're sitting around with your friends. So roll with it and see what happens. Let me know. Yeah, exactly. Um... That that's when the that's when the travel the travel the travel stories of everything being okay is never fun. The travel stories of how everything went to shit is amazing. Those are the ones I want to hear. Right, it's boring. Yeah. And and good's boring too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got what I wanted. Yeah. I was happy. Yeah. <laughs>
you know, it's like, who's going to listen to that? Right. Nobody wants to read that shit, right. you know? It's like, I, you know, I was working on this book called How to Not Get What You Want and Still Be Happy, uh-huh. right? And I realized it wasn't going to sell. It's like, there's no, you know, there's no, there's no selling point to this. Yeah. And so if, if, if we, you know, I hate this term branded, but if we branded you, it's like you're the anti-Tony Robbins, but with a message. Would that be close? <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't want to say Tony Robbins specifically, but uh, uh, Tony Robbins tight. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but I, I well for this, uh, I I have been approached quite a number of times by people like that, really? saying that you're in the wrong industry. Yeah. You should really be doing this. Yeah. And and you know what? And the bottom line is, I would be a great motivational guy, and I'd be a great minister, right. and and a, you know, a storefront preacher, and all that shit. But the trouble is, I give people too much credit. I think you can't be stupid enough to buy this. So I'm not even going to waste my time trying to be a charlatan in this case. Yeah, I feel you. I do this. I, I teach writing as well, and sometimes I feel like I, you know, in my process, I'm a fraud because I'm like, oh crap, I'm not practicing what I pre- preach to these students and then that kicks me in the ass um so i don't know but yeah i think you'd be a great minister because i've seen you do readings and the way you just you the way you hold the room i mean, I, I don't know if they do you think that's from um from your days with tsol and like fronting a band like really being able to handle like an energy of a room or do you even think that far about it i don't even think that far about it and to me it's i i think the fact there is no thought involved whatsoever which i have been accused of many times I, you know I, people have always asked me what what the what the fuck were you thinking it's like I wasn't it wasn't I'm just here so a lot of times you know if I walk on stage or whatever I'm not looking at it like I'm on stage I'm not on stage I'm sitting here in a room with some friends and I'm saying hey what do you guys want to do and we're just talking so it's real it's no there is no I'm on stage yeah yeah well, no, it's like this. You and I are sitting there talking. It's yeah. not, we're not on stage. Right. We're just talking. Yeah. So now just transfer that to me sitting here just talking, but you happen to be a few thousand people, but we're right. still having the same conversation. Right, right. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so I, I, I want to go back because I just saw you read over on a fountain at that art gallery about a month ago, um, and you, were, you read the story about why you got your first tattoo, which I adore. Wow. Uh, well, it's my second one. Oh, is it your second? Exactly the second one. Oh, okay. And it was really, it's a, that story's uh, going to come out. It's um, uh, John Doe and Tom DeSavia. Uh, they wrote a book two years ago called um, Under the Big Black Sun, which was like a history of early punk rock in L.A., which was, it was nice that they even invited me because they didn't like people like me. Like a lot of the early L.A. guys, they didn't like us. We're from the beach and we're, you know, we, we're, you know, we're looking like John Wayne. And we're, you know, we're from the beach. It's like, hey, well, how can you be involved in punk rock, man? You're six foot something, blonde hair. You know, you got this, this, this. And it's like, so they didn't like it. They didn't like it. And then we came up and there was a lot of violence to it. But, but the reason why a lot of these guys don't understand the violence to it is the reason why there was so much violence with the beach kids is we didn't come out of the city. There was no there. I think at, at, at you know, there was one gay guy at the school I went to. They bust in the African-American students. They you know, so I'm not in the city in the city. You can walk around with a bedspread wrapped around you with no fucking underwear, you know, and you can walk into 7-Eleven and bum a smoke and nobody's going to say anything, right. you know, in the suburbs where I grew up, you, you know, have a, uh, who know, you have an earring, 
and whoa, everything stops. You know, oh, what's a faggot one here? You know what I mean? It's like that's where we come from. So, so you get involved in punk rock in that kind of situation. It's like, hey, man, every day you're fighting somebody. Every day to go to the liquor store is a fight. To go to, you know, your car's spotted. They're, they're, you know, they're attacking your house. They're, you know, so it's like, so yeah, we did bring that with us. But it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, necessarily punk against punk. It was punk against anyone against punk. Yeah. You know, so, so anyway, so in the book, the first book with John and Tom, uh, I basically, <coughs> sorry. So, so in the first book, I said, look, man, you guys did this. You created us. You know, one of the things I had a problem, if you remember the PMRC, remember the PMRC? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Typical or? Right. Okay, great. Hang I got a cough. Yeah, yeah. They said I might have brought something back with me. Anyway. Oh, great. No, Thank you. I can tease it. All right. I got some Cuban swine flu now, right? Yes. So, the PMRC are saying, hey, these lyrics need to have warnings. These lyrics right. need to have warnings. These lyrics have no, no warnings. And here's all these bitches, these fucking rock star bitches going up. No, my lyrics don't need this to rock. It's a po-. It's like, hey, wait a minute, bud. Wait a minute. Are you going to sit back as a writer and tell me that words are not inflammatory? Right. You're going to tell me that writing does not change people. I mean, look at look at Gandhi in India. Tolstoy's work, yeah. you know, was such a big influence on him. This, you know. Why do you write? We write to inflame. We write to inform. This is what words are. Don't tell me that words don't have power. Tipper Gore was fucking right. Every single one of those words influences somebody. Every single one of those words. Somebody reads that line and says, yes, yes, yes. And depending on the quality of the writing is, is, and how the reader takes it, that can change that reader's life. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, a, I'm also a... Um, NLP, Master NLP, Neuro Linguistic oh, Program. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, so words, there's a combination. Yes. So there's a combination of words that, that I got to the point where I was given a talk one time and I was saying, I think with the right word combination that I could basically destroy someone. Yeah. With the right, knowing enough about their background, enough words, how to use them, how to put them together, what to do, that I could completely tear someone apart yeah. using words. And, and some lady raises her hand and she said, she goes, well, couldn't you do that to help people too? And I go, I never thought of that. <laughs> <coughs> Yeah, it's, it's interesting because like if you're in intimate, if you're like in really intimate relationships, if, you were, if you're a husband and wife, when we, or, you know, I'm divorced, so I'll preempt with that, but we know what buttons, we know what buttons we can push because the linguistics that we have, we, we have the history with that person. We can like, we can nail someone, you know, that's, those are the most hurtful, I think, the ones I remember. You bet. There's a, there's a literal definition of a word and there is an emotional definition of a word. Yeah. So then find the emotional definition and go to that. So now here, we're, ch- we're kids, we're growing up, we're a little, you know, disenfranchised. We got the, the parents, the divorce, the government, this happened, this happened, this happens. And all of a sudden, these words come in. Yeah. All of a sudden, these songs start coming in. Hey, fight your parents in the street. Hey, yeah. F the government. Hey, London's burning. Hey, you know, bodies, you know, uh, whatever the hell it is. And so they, those words changed me and they inflamed me and they empowered me. Yeah. And they, as a, as a young man, right. their words created me. And then they're going to cry 
when the monster that they created runs rampant through the fields of Los Angeles. It's like, bitch, you made me. You know, and that's what I said, basically. I told John and those guys, I said, fuck you. You made me, and then you cry about it. You, when the police show up, and everything's about police oppression, police oppression, police oppression, and when we're at a show at some little alley get-together, and the fucking LAPD shows up, and you're going to turn around like cowards and walk away, and I pick up a bottle and bounce it off some cop's head, and I'm the criminal? Yeah. It's like, you're the criminal. You know, so, so basically... <laughs> so I'm all for the PMRC. I, you know what I mean? God bless it. You know, it's like stand up for what you wrote. You know, take take responsibility for what you do. It's like, as it, you know, especially as a writer, you have to notice that. You have to say, how is this going to affect the reader? What's going to happen here? What are we doing? So so and to not take it so lightly. This is this is I mean, you know, I want to get all crazy. But what we do is something that's changed men and women, you know, changed everything ideas so now to the tattoo uh so so i I completely forgot about that i was totally lulled i was like yes i get it (laughs) well that's what's actually that's what's also frightening about me it's very very lulling uh so so then john and tom wrote another book so they have a second book that's coming out this june and it's called More Fun in the New World. And it's about what happened afterwards. Yeah. And so my chapter that I wrote about, and it was really nice of them because I said, well, what do you want me to write about? And they said, well, <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> you know, it's like everyone else got an assignment, but you've just been told to just do whatever you want. <laughs> we're, we're in. So, yeah. so it was really nice. So, so the thing you heard, what I wrote, mm-hmm. uh, it's called the uh, the ongoing cost of a low grade immortality. It's about the real price of any sort of fame, yeah. and and that you don't pay that price until the minute someone ignores you, and that's when it hurts, and that's when you start paying for it. You know, like an actress who's who's now just hit forty and can't get roles anymore, and right. you know, is is she really just doing it for the art, right. or is she doing it for the notoriety, for the attention? which really comes down to it. These ladies say, I can't get a part, I can't get a part, or the men, or whatever. It's, hey, then go sit at home and do theater in the park. Go, are you really in it for the art? Yeah. Which most aren't, yeah. especially musicians. Yeah. Or are you in it for the pat on the back, the acknowledgement, the fame? Right. And that's, um, yeah, that, I mean, for, so for me, like, <clears throat> reading books, like, like, punk rock music, and then le- learning about punk rock, and then reading books, like, really saved my life on so many levels, because I grew up in the Jehovah's Witnesses, so I was on just this, <clears throat> I was on a bad, like, bad thing where I was seeing my friends kill themselves after getting shunned, and then I was like, okay, how how do I grieve this, and it took me a while to find books, and that's just what changed everything, so that's, um, so that, talk about neuro-linguistic programming, I was like, oh my god, I was reading, you know, Henry Miller and James Baldwin. I'm like, these people are speaking to me on a level I've never been spoke to before. There was an honesty there. So it meant everything to me. I forgot why I went, but we, but what happened was we didn't talk about the tattoo. Oh. <laughs> Were we? Okay. <laughs> anyway, I, um, also we'll get back to the tattoo as well. So, because uh, you brought up something cool, I mean, something cool, something about history, the, the, your history, like with John Doe and at the punk shows, um, where there was, where you guys are coming up and there, there's, um, what do you call it? They, they were pissed off at you, right? Was that the right, right way? Yeah. yeah. They didn't like us. 
Yeah. So <clears throat> now that we're now that we're all in the 2019s, is it is it a general a kind of like oh we were all kind of in the same war together? No. And no? no. <laughs> okay. Okay. No. Do you still not like each other? <laughs> no. No. I I think that they might have been you know since I just got back from Cuba they might have been Che and Fidel and we were just okay. you know the peasants that had just wandered up out of the fields and decided to do the dirty work. And I, I laugh about that sometimes, too, because a lot of these, some of these older bands that complain, they sure don't complain about the people coming to the shows to see them. Right. You know, it's like, now, wait a minute. We're not going to allow you at the shows. If you attended punk rock from 1976 to 77, you can come watch us play. <laughs> well, good. You and a party of three. Feel free. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the rest of us will stay away. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and now back to the tattoo. Uh, now, Jack and Los Feliz, back to your tattoo. Yes. So, it, so I'm not really tattooed all right. over. I have one that I got in a blackout. N- it, no big deal. But um, I, if, I don't have any. But if I was gonna get one, I get a tramp stamp. That's like the only one I'd ever want. Badass. The way, I had a fr- I had a friend, a very sexy woman, uh, really beautiful, and really enjoyed the physicalness of that. And uh, she had a picture of Jesus. Right, right above her ass. It's like, it's like, sweetheart, you know, hey, throw a towel over that. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't just be sitting here. It's almost like put a picture of my mom on your right, butt right. saying, you're doing a good job, baby. You know, it's like, come on, man, this is rough. So, and, and it was so amusing to me that she had this Jesus stamped over her ass because yeah. it was the best. Yeah. It's like, you know, who, and what, what it makes me think, I mean, because I guess it was, maybe it was a religious experience, sort of, but it's like, I, I don't know if I could actually look at a, piece, a picture of Christ and ejaculate at the same time. I, I don't know if that really, what that even, where that goes. You know what I mean? Like, right. what part of my psyche is that touching? Yeah. What? If if you have an orgasm and you're looking at Jesus, what what space time continuum comes together? And I mean, do you just explode? I don't know because I've I haven't been in that situation. I don't think for me, I don't think it'll ever physically happen. I don't think I would ever be able to get there. Well, and the interesting thing too in gay porn, you never really see that sort of look. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, It's not like like you don't really see that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, right, I could right. see like big leather guys yeah. or some skinny, like well-shaved guys. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, right. maybe Jesus in his teens, yeah. uh, maybe something. Yeah, but, yeah. but that sort of the the mid-thirties bearded hippie look, you don't really see that type of uh, that type of magazine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know where that's going. I, I don't know where, what what you're looking at with that. So on her uh, the on her uh, above her butt was it like Jesus crown of thorns was it was it Jesus on the cross what 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 Jesus did we have it was it was it was sort of the the Jesus in the three D picture that you see in a lot of older okay, people's yeah, yeah, houses yeah. it was that name. one you know okay, yeah. yeah so anyway that one has like a very reverent look where he's almost looking down on you so making eye contact with that tattoo must be so disconcerting at that time. Right. It, seriously, it was almost like, okay, go ahead and come and I'll forgive you. It was like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's almost like you want to do like a little special care. Yeah. Like, like, okay, well, I'm going to ejaculate, but then I'm going to make sure that you're cleaned up and then oh, everything's wow. put back together afterwards. Yeah. And then we're going to, you know, give you a little pat. That maybe there, maybe there was a, maybe there's a more of a, a story to the tattoo. Cause she realized that she would be taken care of more if there was a Jesus figure. There afterwards, yes, it might have been. Yeah. It might have been protection. Yeah. You know what I mean. I, I mean, it could have been. It could have been a little. She actually, I really enjoyed her. I don't know what happened to her. I've thought of her often, but uh-huh. uh, 
you know, maybe it was protection. Yeah. You know, maybe in, in a sad way. Now oh, we can laugh yeah. about it, but maybe in a sad way. It's like, okay, Uncle Fondle, you're going to hit it, but you're going to be looking at Christ while you right, do it. Right. You know? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a trip. Yeah. Because psychologically, it's like she does bring Jesus to every meeting, essentially. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little rough. I got, uh, yeah, anyway. All right, please. So, uh, so the tattoo, to get back to mine, um, it was a story about when I was a kid. And I was uh, involved in a dirt clot fight. I was probably about eight years old with some older kids at the park. And I jumped in. I'm in. I like to be in. And uh, I got hit in the face with a rock uh, on the eye. And um, it was, uh, you know, instantly I had gotten hit in the face with the eye. Immediately, bam, just, you know, stars and black. I can't see. And everything stops, you know. Because they realize, hey, this is, a you know, in, in childhood warfare, it was a mortal wound. It was, a, you know, this is, he's going down, right? right? So I sat there for a few minutes and I could feel it, you know, and I got dirt in my eye and, I, you know, and it's hurt and everyone stops and they're kind of crowding around. And, and then I, I realized for, for some, I'm not always clear. But at that moment, I realized that that was an important wound. Uh, I remember sitting there thinking, well, there's a couple ways to go here. You know, uh, real, real, uh, it was almost like real sociopathic, if, if you will. Like a real, no feelings involved whatsoever. It was just really flat and just nothing, completely detached. And I realized there's a couple ways to go here. I can run home and that's fine because it's a major wound and, or, or or I can take it and I can just shake it off for a minute and then re-engage. Yeah. And so I sat there for a minute and then I, I picked up a rock. I said, I'm cool. Let's go. Yeah. And, and started throwing rocks. Yeah. So, so all the older kids loved it. You know, they'd see me and go, Gershom, what's up? You know, they were stoked. These old creeps, you know, just, just, you know, that are all dead and, you know, just a mess now. But anyway, and, and the cut looked really cool. Like, it was really cool on my eye. It looked bitchin'. It's like a pirate. I was eight. I was in, like, third grade or whatever, you know. And uh, so I would pick the scab to keep it there. Like, I liked it when it was bleeding. I liked the scab. But then what I realized when I was older is that wound bought me, brought me a reputation. It brought me respect. It, brought, it was cool. And so what I basically did is for the rest of my life, I picked that wound, looking for that same admiration. Yeah. It was whatever I could do to continue that rep, you know. And, uh, and so that was what was the story was about. And then, you know, and then one day I picked the wound and no one gave a shit. So that's, yeah, that's, uh, and then the, um, the, the other part of the story about the wound, see, I'm, I'm going from memory on here, but, uh, the, the, um, how it uh, wasn't, uh, didn't, didn't you write the story and then your daughter said, if that ever gets published, or you said, if this ever gets published, I'm getting a tattoo on the wound? Yeah, was yeah. that what was yeah, that? Right. So, so basically I said, hey, if I ever, if I ever sell this story, yeah. then I'm going to go, I'm going to go just get this tattooed on my face. And they're like, you're crazy. You don't have tattoos. What are you doing, man? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I got a check. They sent me a check for writing the story for the for the book, yeah. and uh, my daughter saw it. And she goes, "Let's go, Dad!" And she's 18 at the time, so she, you know, drove me over the tattoo shop and said, "Let's go, let's get it on your face, go stick it on," you know. Uh -huh. And I think I don't know if she thought I was kidding or whatever, yeah. and so I just got it put on my face. And yeah. and it was funny because you know people just look at me and they go, oh, "Just right to the face." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. 
bucket to yeah. bucket. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like, look, man, you've talked to me for what now, about 20 minutes, and you realize I'm never going to be able to hold a real job. So it's not like it's really going to, you know, it's not like it's really going to make a difference to me. Yeah, yeah. You know. And um, I, I just, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, like, personally, I'm not a tattoo guy. People are tattoo people. But if, like, if I had a daughter and she said, hey, you know what? I'm calling you out on that bet that you made and you're getting this tattoo on your face. I, that's like, I'd be like, got to do it. Because I, I feel like that's almost not only a homage to uh, the wound that you were picking. It's also a homage to family in a way. That's how I was interpreting your story. Yeah, and my kids are like that too. I got a, you know, it's I have a great relationship with my daughters. Like yesterday, my my 19 year old and I were laying around on the couch sharing songs. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, dad, have you heard this? Hey, dad, have you heard this? Hey, right. you know, it's it's bitch. She'll go, you know, I'm really kind of getting into Marty Robbins. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like listen to this, and yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, hey, have you ever heard Bill Evans? You know, it's so so. You know, it's it's bitching that you can have that relationship with your kids. I didn't have that. Yeah. I didn't have that relationship. I don't, you know, I wouldn't call my dad and say, hey, dad, I want to get these people in on the guest list. We're going to come see you. Do you want to grab dinner with us first? You know, it's like, that wasn't happening. Yeah. You know, it's like, so So I've got a bitching relationship with these two, my two daughters. Yeah. They're just, and they're gnarly. I mean, these are not, you know, I've been given shit for being a misogynist and fucking blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's like, look, man, my, my publisher is a woman. The last director I worked with is a woman. My lawyer's a woman. My business manager's a woman. It's like I'm surrounded by hard-hitting bitches. Yeah, like, yeah. that's everybody. And my kids. My two daughters. Are, my, my oldest daughter, she's an officer on an oil tanker. So it's like oh, these wow. are, you know, I've always respected and loved strong women. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like with no trick. They don't make me a weaker man. Right. You know, so it's... Uh, Anyway, I, I, I love the relationship I have with my daughters. It's great. Yeah. yeah. And being, a, I mean, that, an oil tanker, that's like a really hard, tough job, isn't it? Is it or, I mean, I, yeah. Well, she's an officer on a tanker. She runs back and forth from Long Beach up to Alaska. But, it, uh, yeah. you know, but at 16 years old, she came home and her, she goes, I got a tattoo. And, you know, her first tattoo was ass to neck, shoulder to shoulder, a big iron cross on her back. So like an illegal, you know. That somebody had stuck on. I go, oh, killer. <laughs> That's where you're going with that, huh? All right. Get it, dear. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because you as a father, you've been through so much. You know, <clears throat> so now, I, now I got the Cuban flu. Yeah. You know, to, um, yeah, instead of, I mean, instead of coming at her in an aggressive way, you're just like, well, you're choosing your route. That's pretty rad. Is that kind of how you've been like a father figure, I guess, to your daughters or? Yeah. When I said father figure, you looked at me like that was the weirdest word ever. I think you'd probably have to talk to them, you know, because I, I could see them. I could see them sitting down at the same table and going, you know what? He's fucking delusional. Yeah. I mean, they have uh, when I was writing the first book, American Demon, the first book I wrote, my eldest, they, they actually had an intervention and they tried to stop me. Um, in the middle of it, they yeah. said, "Dad, your your methods are unsound. This is just you're out of your mind. Yeah. This is." They were totally panicked. My my daughter literally had me in her head at her apartment wearing a pair of Depends and asking her to get me a Snickers from the store. <laughs> this is basically like where they had put me. And I just saying, "Stop it! I got this. Leave me alone. Let me just finish it." Yeah, you know, just. So was that the writing process? They weren't reading what you were writing. They were just seeing you going through what a writer goes through trying to get a book nailed down and 
Right. If they were reading what I was writing, yeah. it would have been over. Yeah. It would have been a long, I would have been cuffed. I would have been handcuffed. It was basically the process. I was writing, sometimes I'd be knocking down 10,000 words a day. It yeah. was like, you know, 18 hours. I'm eating spoiled food. I'm living in a in an office building illegally with some, with my girlfriend who I'm making edit this this fucking horrific story that she's like, I can't read this anymore. I can't read this. She'd be saying, I said, just put your feelings aside. You're being selfish. You know, it's like, I don't have any feelings. Be like me. You know, just uh, so when they were watching that process take place, that was when they just said, hey, because it got really dark. And, oh, yeah. and I'm not like necessarily a dark person. Maybe. I mean, somebody might say this is, yes, probably the darkest of all. <laughs> but... Uh, but but when you're sitting there and you have to relive, well, what does it feel like to throw a punch? You know, what is the what does it feel like? Okay, so you hit the cheek. I mean, so you got teeth too. Do you do you immediately feel your knuckle cut? How much gib is in it? You know, like what what does it feel like? What did the guy look at when you were kicking him in the face? What you know, what what was the reflection in his eyes when the shoe was coming towards? So you're you're living in this and you're basically you're you're there. So somebody walks in and you're in the middle of uh, fucking some girl with Jesus on her back or whatever the fuck it is going on in your head. You're there. So they're rolling in to an animal, basically an animal that they had not seen. Because I, I've been sober now for 30 years and my, my oldest is 31. So, so she was a baby when I got, so they've heard stories, but they've only seen it a few times. So to really see it is, I guess, can be terrifying. Yeah. And it, and I, what's interesting about writing about it and then doing the rewrites and doing the rewrites is the action that happened or at the time or whatever when you're uh, that you're writing about. You have to put it in slow motion. You have to see it from everyone's point of view. You're throwing different angles on it. So it's almost like you have to dive into that on such a deeper level than you probably ever thought you would have you know, as a writer to try to craft it. Right. And luckily I was abused as a kid. So, so it's like, I mean, with, you know, uh, uh, with the, with the sexual abuse comes a certain amount of disconnection. So the ability to to completely disconnect from the piece, you know, it's like, this did not happen. I'm not there. You know, there's also that too, when you're looking at some of it to just really, that you just really have to pull yourself away from it. You know, and just really look at it as if uh, there's a there's a technique and, uh, you know, timeline therapy. It's some bullshit, crazy NLP technique where you basically you go back uh, and you hover over the incident. Um, yeah, you actually. Like, let's say you had an incident that's a, uh, like really troubling or whatever. So you take someone back on a timeline, you take them back before the incident happened. And then you hover over the incident watching this with unaffected eyes to see how it went down, the part, the part, like we talked about earlier, that train load, that train car of dysfunction, looking at the people, looking at, um, there's actually, it's interesting, there's actually a Christian prayer, a Catholic prayer that does the same thing. It's like you go back to deal with this with, with uh, basically with a Christ attitude towards everybody involved to kind of untie that knot of emotion or whatever. Anyway, so almost like like an empathy uh, in a way or not that deep, not even an empathy. It's like just a complete as an observer, just with no feelings either way. And to just really see things unaffected. 
basically. So, so yeah, it had to do that. Once, once the, the meat of the book had been written, yeah. then to go back over it without connection. Yeah. And, what, and I really like that you brought that up because I read so many memoirs where you just, you just tell people didn't craft it. And, you know, it's just, and oh, then they didn't craft it. So it's like, it's just, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and, you're, and you know that they're just phoning it in. And so what, to, to, to take a story and try to make it a compelling narrative is, you know, that's, those are the biggest words I've used uh, all day today. I think I'm going to yeah. congratulate myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, but it's just, uh, it's a testimony to storytelling, which brings me back to probably why John Doe is just like, hey, we don't need to give you an assignment because you've already been doing this on a level that the other musicians in this anthology have not been doing it. That's what I was thinking. Well, that's a nice compliment if that's the case. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not exactly sure if that's the case or not, but I'm going to take that. I will take it. I mean, just glad, you know, I'm always shocked when somebody includes me, uh-huh. you know, because I'm not, you know, look, I... I mean, if you if you gave me a list since you teach writing, I mean, if you could give me a list of the mechanics, I, I would fail. I, I don't know what a something is or a something is. And somebody somebody oh, will come right, up right. later on and go, oh, do you know what you did here? It's like, no, no I don't. <laughs> I have no idea what yeah. that is. You know, any of my writings basically based on a lot of reading is yeah. basically what it is. So, well, and that's important because. Uh, yeah, I I've always I always tell I always tell people if if someone sees if someone reads something in your work and you have no idea what they're talking about, just nod your head and go. Thanks for noticing that. That's that, right. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember, uh, uh, you know, I there was this this quote that this guy was saying. Oh my God, you know, this is like Dostoevsky's Notes from the Underground or whatever. Yeah. I'm going, oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, I parallel that in certain ways. You know, yeah, it's yeah. just like really, man. You know, it, it, and I never like I. I just had this conversation with a friend. I was at a friend's house and he's a, you know, just reads and reads and reads, you know, uh, and, and he's going, Oh, have you ever read so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? I said, no, no, yeah. I haven't. Because the trouble is I can't read them. I can read a line. What happens is I'll read a line and then I'll just focus on the line and I'll just think, God, what a beautiful line. Look at the mechanics of that line. Like I really have a hard time when I'm reading great authors yeah. getting past a line. Yeah. You know, or a paragraph. It's like, oh, wow, look at the way he did that. Look at the rhythm. Look at this. You know, and I'll read it out loud over and over again, you know, and it's not relaxing. Like, so for me, whenever I turned to reading, it was a lot of science fiction from the 30s, 40s, 50s. I was a fan of, you know, uh, Henry Kuttner and Damon Knight and, you know, Harlan Ellison and, you know, Asimov and, you know, all these guys. Because it was just escape. Yeah. Like, it was escape to me. And sometimes I'll go back now and I'll pick up a book and go, oh. That's a poorly written. <laughs> Not that they, I mean, those guys are great authors, yeah, but yeah. some of the stuff I was reading was poorly written. But it was, com- it was just a, it was a late night snack. It was something to put me down to, for bed. It was like, hey, look, yeah, I know you got warrants out for your arrest. You know, I know you got warrants out for your arrest. And you got this, and these people are trying to kill you and got this, this, this going on. But hey, let's just take a minute and read Stranger in a Strange Land for a second, and maybe you can just turn out enough to just fall asleep. Wow. So... And uh, and and as and it's just when when we're, when we're writers, we're supposed to be reading all the time. I because we I I hate it when I hear, oh yeah, I'm working on a book, so I'm trying not to read to be influenced. And I just look at people like that and go, 
what? Yeah, you're not. You're doing it wrong. You're supposed to like speak the language and read. You know? Right. Well, but in, in but in some way, in in such in a slight defense of that, yeah. I read, 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 and then when it comes time to work, then everything's discarded. Oh, okay. So then everything goes. Yeah. Uh, someone says, "Well, what do you listen to?" I listen to Eno. I listen to, right. uh, you know, I'll put something like one of the soundtracks of the, you know, being in the airport or whatever the hell. So yeah. I'll listen to, I'll listen to an hour of of ambient noise, yeah, yeah. you know, while I'm working, you know, or or sometimes I'll put on stuff that that I know will evoke a certain mood. Like it's like, oh, oh I'm going to put this on, yeah, yeah. you know. But nothing, not. But once again, going back, nothing that's going to involve me in the piece too much. Right. You know. Yeah, that's, I do that with. Um, I'll, I, I'll get. I'll just put drone metal, on, like you know, Sun or Ohm or those guys on my headphones, just so if I'm like doing edits at a cafe, and I don't want to. It's it's very kind of non-intrusive, but it's still there. And yeah. that, that it's almost a white noise, but kind of. Yeah, it also sets a tone too, or gets the doom of the disgust i guess i don't know yeah but then sometimes like but then sometimes like like i'll throw on some jazz i'll throw on something you know oh, depend yeah. so and then i'll write to that yeah. you know leaning forward jesus looking at me you know boom 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 using those those notes right. you know what i'm saying so sometimes just for the hell of it all i write to the piece yeah. as if it was a movie yeah you know which is fun too and that and that's interesting because your, I mean, your first writing experiences as 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 a, as a lead singer and a musician and in bands, I, right? Is that right? Right, right. Yeah. yeah, I was told in high school I'm not a writer. Really? <laughs> like, yeah. And somebody, I just told somebody, I said, I go, well, I just went to high school to see who was there. You know, I didn't like, like yeah. I'm not, you know, I just didn't, ca- I didn't care. Yeah, there was yeah. really no thought. Like I'm really realizing how much now, like how much I, I never looked at something. And go, oh, is that why? Is that why? Yeah. That, is that what that is? Yeah. You know, just I, I, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed right. at all. You know, sometimes I just don't see things. Yeah. But if someone will say, hey, you know, look at the way the relationship is with this glass and this salt and pepper shaker. Did you ever notice this? And then I'll go, wow, I never did. But now I see that relationship in this dog and these people on the street and this house and this and this and the way this, this, this. So once I see the pattern, then I can see it everywhere. But, I, but sometimes it has to be pointed out to me, if yeah. that makes sense. So it's the same thing with writing. You know, hey, did you ever look at this sentence? Did you ever see that? Did you ever realize why this guy did that? Yeah. You know, and then I look at it and say, oh, okay, now I see the truth in that. Now I can see it. So so there was a lot of that. But in high school, I just wanted to fucking go to parties and get laid <laughs> and surf. Yeah. You know, it's like I was exactly everything that they hated. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I, I grew up in San Francisco, but I remember... Um, Wait, D, D.I. had a song called I Hate Surfing in HBE. That's Huntington Beach, right? Yeah. yeah. But I was actually born in the Bay Area, so you got to lighten up there. <laughs> oh, where were, you, where, were you, where were you born? Hayward. Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> Hayward, Castro Valley Hospital. Oh, wow. My dad was stationed there in, wow. in the Bay. So. And did you stay in the Bay no, for a bit? No, we were out. We were out. But oh, it's okay. always in my head. That's me and my head. That, that yeah. town's mine. Yeah. yeah. So then if you like baseball, you're an Oakland A's fan instead of a... <laughs> I don't like sports. I'm not like a sport. You know, it's like, it's all right. I don't give a shit. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't care. Yeah. The, um, uh, oh, and then this is where I totally lost my thought. We were talking about Huntington like Beach. <laughs> where I lose my thought. Yeah. That's actually uh, in hypnosis. Yeah. Um, that's when you implant suggestion. Oh, 
really? Yeah. So have you ever have you ever stepped off a curb without knowing the curb was there? Yes. And you know how jumbled the mind feels. Yeah. So that's when if somebody was there at that moment, boom, they jump right in. And they could throw something in your mind. Now, it can't be something that you go against. I can't make you rob a bank unless you want to rob a bank. But if you wanted to rob a bank at that moment, I could bring it out of you. Wow. Yeah. So it's actually, there's actually a quick handshake induction uh-huh. that um, I could sh- put the mic in the other hand. But you're okay. ready for it now. Right. So when you grow, go to shake somebody's hand, so you basically do this and you lift their hand up to their face. When they're not ready for it. So what I just did, if you're listening, I hooked his the bottom of his hand with my thumb and index finger, and I lifted it in front of his face. And so you're ready for a handshake, but in a smooth move, I just lift your hand up to your face, and now you're staring at your hand, and it's like falling off a curb. And at that moment, I can implant suggestion based on what I know of you at the time. Wow. That's right. I completely forgot. You have training in hypnosis. (laughs) I, 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 I had that. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I completely forgot. That's <laughs> yeah, all right. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you, it's terrifying if you think about it. Uh, you know, hey, training on giving speeches, right. training on standing on stage, training on commanding a crowd, training in hypnosis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, baby, let's roll. Let's get into politics. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry that my voting record is so spotty or I could really do some damage. Um, when, when were you intrigued with hypnosis and when did you start studying the practice? Well, I, I, I was hypnotized, um, when I stopped drinking uh-huh. is when it started. Oh, because was that a part of quitting drinking? No, was, no. not at all. Okay. Not at all. It doesn't work that way. Okay. But, um, I'm like, uh, fuck, I hate talking about myself, but we have been, so I'm going to continue. This episode's about you, man. (laughs) I love it, baby. It's all about you. We got two ways to do this, my way or my other way. So we're going to go this way right now. Um, I'm actually, I'm a total fucking nerd. Like, I, I, you know, I'm a sit home, read a book. I'm a cat guy. You know, get the cat, sit home, read a book with a fire. I don't go out. I'm going to bed at nine. I'm up at four. You know what I mean? Just like, you know, just one of those, like really mellow, like mellow. Okay. So to get on stage or whatever, I got to be somebody else. I'm not me. This isn't me. This guy talking to you. I don't even know who this guy is that's talking to you right now. It ain't me. You know, a lot of times somebody go, hey, listen to this back. Hey, do you want to check this? Hey, look at this film back. Listen to this playback back. It's like, why? Go get him to listen to it. I'm not going to listen to it. It's not me. I'm not going to have a fucking listen to that and say I hate it and I hate yeah. that guy and he's loud and he needs to shut up. Yeah. Way too talkative. Anyway. Yeah. So, but when I get on stage, I throw a couple of cocktails in him, you know, oh. and then all of a sudden I get on stage, I'm loose, the pants come off, you know, hey, let's go, you know, fuck yeah. these cops, you know, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. the hell I'm in, you know. But so when I stop drinking and doing that, now it's me. Right. I'm the one that's got to get on stage, not him. And I'm terrified and I'm fucking panicked and I'm paranoid, you know? So it's like, so you got to get this guy up there, you know? So I'm thinking, well, what do I, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I went and got hypnotized. I thought I'm going to get hypnotized. And so that was my first uh, trip to, to a hypnotist. Mm-hmm. And he basically um, did what's called an anchor. Basically, he went back. He took me to uh, one of my favorite shows that I had and he basically implanted it or or made it where I was available to touch it so every time I go on stage it's that show playing and uh, so 
anyway, that's how I got into hypnosis. So, so when I walk on stage, I'm not there. I'm, I'm reliving another show. It was crazy and wild and tons of people and, yeah. you know, and some, and I was some other guy. The, um, and do you, and do you have to get yourself in a certain state or do you have like a, a like a mantra or something or to click into that? Or is it just easy to just click into that state and you're like backstage and all of a sudden the crowd? <laughs> it's funny. I was just thinking, uh, I was thinking of some language that I used um, yeah. a minute ago where I said he, him, as if I'm talking about somebody else. And that sort of disconnect. Yeah, uh, yeah. People enjoy that when they listen. They go, I told you he was like, look at that. He's talking like him about something like he's somebody else. <laughs> How many people are in there? All of us. All right. What was the question you just asked? Because <laughs> this one wasn't listening. The other one ignored it. It's for both of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, they, it was what, so now that, so then you got the hypnosis. And then so the first time you try to access that before going to perform when you're sober and bring out the, bring out the Jack Grisham, the, the right. tincture of what happens in a, in a concert situation. Right. Yeah. And that's what happened. And it was great. And it was fine. But how, but how do you access that after? So after the hypnosis is over, does he give you something to do? or okay. No, it just keeps going. I mean, there are anchors that you can touch someone. You can, now, this is what, see, this is why they say no makeup sex, man. Don't have makeup sex because you're not anchoring love. You're anchoring this nasty, gnarly fight fuck thing. And now you have just anchored it. And so, and so that's a lot of times why they say don't immediately comfort a child. Okay. Like let them hurt for a second step back and then comfort them when they've calmed down when there's where there's a moment so it's like so you're not instilling that that thing like let them self-medicate let them self-soothe for a second let people feel it for a minute let it go you know before you do so oh, interesting. so there are anchors yeah there are anchors you can do and and but basically my anchor was walking on stage yeah. that that was the anchor when you walk on you will feel this you know, and then the longer it's been now, it's been more or less just, you know, I, I get to the point now where it, it, where I'm more okay being me. Yeah. And it's like, hey, this is just, you know, because after 30 years of being this, it's like they got to cut me some slack. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, oh, well, yes, he's this. Yeah. So let him be that, yeah. you know. I know. I'm excited to get the, the senior discount at the Vista Theater one of these days. That's, that's my goal. That's my next age goal. Yeah, I can't. I look at the senior menu. I go, because I'm a senior now. Oh, yeah. I'll be 58 this year. Oh, so is that a senior? I think 55 is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. You're in. So, but I look at it and say, fuck that. I'm not ordering that. It's right. like, I want to get the eggs, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, fucking, what do you mean fucking me on the senior menu? Everything <laughs> should be senior menu, bitch. No, whatever. <laughs> I love that voice. That was uh, that was your third. Uh... Yeah, that's the other one. That's the him, yeah. the guy that's angry about the senior menu. But, but uh, so anyway, going. So that's kind of what got me involved in hypnosis. And then what really got me involved in it is uh, my business manager, who's a woman. She was, uh, and this is funny, the Tony Robbinsy tie-in or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was I, I was living out of my car. For this is another homeless time. I'm living out of my car and I'm posting shit. I, I, I you know, p part of how I learned to write is through Twitter, because uh, I was only given 140 characters. So you got to learn to be clear. You got to learn to be clear. Get to it. Hit it. Get it out there. Be clear. Get this as much power as you can in one line. So it was a great exercise to do that. 
And uh, so I'd be sitting there writing stuff, writing stuff, writing stuff. And I get a call from this lady. And she goes, hey, can I talk to you? I go, yeah. She goes, are you mobile? <laughs> What's going on? What are you you living at the Starbucks? Where, where are you? I go, why? Well, I, I don't live here. I just do the computer here. You know, it's like, she goes, are you living in your car? I go, yeah, I got my car outside. I'm in, I'm in my car at the Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she says, look. She goes, I've been watching you for years. You know, you got these you got these looks, you got these intellect, you got this charisma, you got all this shit. And yet you're living out of your car at the Starbucks. She goes, uh, I, I got an idea about the problem. I go, yeah? And she goes, and I think it's you. I think you're the problem. Right? She said, she goes, will you do what I say? And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm fucking, you know, I'm looking at the steering wheel and I got my clothes all folded in the back. And I thought, hey, why not? Let's go on a thriller. Yeah, what do you want me to do, baby? And, and she said, I want you to go here, here. I want you to learn hypnosis. I want you to do that. And so, uh, so I did. And, and it was her, like, she wanted me to do motivational talk. She said, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong business, man. Right. You know, and, uh, but it never worked out that way. So I just took the hypnosis and everything and turned it towards writing instead. And um, it's interesting that you took to the hypnosis part, and now, now, and, and now I feel like totally like self-aware because I'm like, oh man, what has Jack noticed about me through this interview? Um, I mean, do you look at like people in a certain way and go, oh, okay, I noticed that, I noticed that, I noticed that? Well, a little bit, but you're a writer, yeah. and so do you. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what it is. It's like what you know. How does somebody sit? How do they lean? What do they do? How do they make? What's the eyes look like? You know, is the face, does it light up? Does it not light up? Is it, what's the smile look like? What does the mustache do when you smile? How, when you lean back, is that a different eye? You see what I'm saying? It's like, you do that. Yeah. You know, so sitting, sitting and then, you know, sometimes mirroring people. Right. You know, to find their, you know, it's like acting. Writing's acting. It's the same kind of thing. You know, it's like, you know, I mirror somebody. How does somebody stand? You know, how do they sit? Where's the weight at? You know, everything. Like sometimes I realize how fucking creepy I am because I'll be sitting at a restaurant watching people eat and watching how they hold the fork and just whatever, you know, it's like, it's like in somebody, you know, they look at you like, well, why are you looking at me? It's like, I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at your mouth. You know, it's it's your mouth I'm looking at, you know, it's like. Which always endears people because they're like, oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm glad it wasn't me. It was my mouth. Yeah. Did you ever notice you drop your right shoulder when you're standing waiting to get a coffee? It's like, what? You know, and then you, you know, it's so funny when you, and when you go to write and you're writing and you throw in a line like how her shoulder dropped as she bought a coffee. Well, now you've just made that purchase of the coffee real. You know, because it's not the purchase of the coffee. It's the dropped shoulder. It's the, you know, now all of a sudden we're here. Whatever. Please burn this. Please burn this talk. No, this is great. Um, (laughs) You don't have to listen to it. (laughs) He will. Yeah. I don't know if he'll be happy with you. I have a hard time listening to this stuff, too. Uh, I I just do the uh, audio uh, as much as possible. Uh, hit the where I tap the mic. I'll hit those edits out, right. and then I I can't ever listen to it again, or I'll never do this again. Right. That's the. Hey. Yeah. I'm with you, and yeah. sadly, I'm going to make a beaches reference right now. Okay. Uh, there was there was. This, Are we going to drive off a cliff? No, no, that was uh, oh, Thelma and Louise. Louise. Oh, I'm such a dick for doing the um. Oh, the other two women movie of yeah. the '80s. Yes, and actually, there were more women involved in this one, but uh, 
more of a trio of bitches, if you will. <laughs> but but uh, there's a scene in Beaches where uh, the Bette Midler character is watching herself on TV. And she's giving an interview on TV and she goes, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. And she knows what she's going to say because yeah. she saw it. And all of a sudden the, her character on TV goes, you know, I'm a very deeply and caring person. <laughs> she's like, just punch me, punch me in the face now, man. So yeah. anyway, I always think of that when I hear this shit. <laughs> Moving on, the interesting thing and we were talking about uh, when I got really self-aware um, and then, uh, but the how we communicate just not only with our uh, with our voices and talking to each other, but how we communicate with our eyes, how we communicate with our right. gestures. Everything is part of the game. And uh, when we talk to people, and when we, you know, just us having this conversation here, which I love. I mean, and knowing that, yeah. the sad thing about being a manipulator is, is that you can use all this stuff to get exactly what you want from anyone. How can I do that, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> That's the book coming up. We're not going to yeah. discuss that right now. <laughs> Yeah, how to take advantage of people. Yeah, it's like, but, uh, you know, it, it's funny. Sometimes I like to just fuck with people just for the fuck of it because yeah. I know I can fuck with them. So, yeah. so you know, doing little stuff just to see if they notice, say stuff. You know, it's fun. And yeah. most people, you know, I like my friend was pointing this out to me. He said, he goes, he goes I notice when you do that to people, most of them, they're never angry at you. Yeah. You know, they like it. They laugh and they get, you know, they laugh about it or whatever. Just little stuff or, you know, I fucked with this. Uh, I fucked with this um, woman in a hotel the other day. I was standing. I was sending a text. I was standing in the middle of the hallway sending a text. And she said, do you need help? You know, and I looked at her, you know, with a total blank expression. I said, I, I, I don't know who I am. And she said, she goes, what? I go, I, I, I. I don't know who I am. And she goes, your room number? I go, no, who I am. <laughs> just like, I got, I got, for a few minutes, she's just like, wow. And it was just, and it was basically, it was, I, I induced her stepping off the curb. But it just happened to be in a hallway, in a hotel. And, yeah. but it, and there was no curb, but it, was, it, it did the same effect. And at the same time, you probably did not break character until she left. Is that the case? Until the end, I laughed, and then she laughed. And oh, we both, you, oh, you both. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she got the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you can't just leave them that. You yeah, gotta, yeah. you gotta let them know you're fuck with them. I did that, and say, so I do that a lot. You know, where I'm just, you know, they're like, "Can I help you, sir?" And I'm like, "Yes." I'm trying to figure out the meaning of life, or you know, it's, it's just, I, I just like to. I don't, even, I don't even. I just want to have an interesting day. So, um, uh, but in San Francisco, they take things like a lot more seriously. Yeah, you got to watch it. You got to be careful. Wow. T- one thing my daughter did. So, yeah, yeah. so it was really funny because, you know, that I was wrestling with my daughter yeah. in line. Yeah. So we like to fuck with each other. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my kids are not against pulling the chairs out from underneath me when I go to sit down. <laughs> you know, and it's like, and they're always attacking, like attack dad, attack dad, attack dad. Yeah, yeah. And I say, look, I don't mind you. I don't mind you attacking me it's like nobody sets out to climb the hill at las Feliz. they go over everest they go for everest right, so right. go ahead attack your pops come at pops right so so they're always fucking with me and it was so funny because my daughter and i are wrestling in line you know and we're like pushing each other and kicking each other's feet and you know you'd go to turn a corner and you'd throw somebody an elbow into the wall you know just like we're just we're just basically really physical right so then i finally end up getting her in a headlock i get my kid in a headlock and this woman steps up and and she says i love the sirens going by right now perfect yes yes 
So this woman comes up and this woman comes up and I've got, and my kid at the time is like 16 years old, you know, at the time, you know, and I get her in a headlock and we're wrestling and this woman goes, steps up and goes, do you think she likes that? And my daughter shakes me off and, and looks the lady right in the face. She goes, as a matter of fact, I do. Why don't you step off, bitch? (laughs) Just gnarly, like just straight out, like, Hey man, leave me and my pops alone. You know, it's like this. And the lady just walked away, you know, it's like, it's just like, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you step off? I just like <laughs> kill her, sweetheart. Get yeah, it. Yeah. That, <laughs> we might have to end on that because why don't you step off, bitch? Is like the greatest. The greatest. What do you call it? The last. The last line of a movie or whatever. Yes, that's it. And then Arnold drives off in his limo. <laughs> yes. Why don't you step off, bitch? Um. I was, oh damn it. Bitch is non-gender specific. Yes. Just so we get that straight. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's got straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't go dropping bitches and stuff. And oh, and what is sh- uh, well, let's not get into this. Maybe we save it for some other time. Well, I mean, I, I, I drop bitches more on my buds. All the, you know, constantly. Yeah. And that's the trouble. So- <sighs> yeah. This is the Jack not wanting to get in trouble. Look. <laughs> yes, it is. It is a little just the vernacular of our yeah, times. Yeah. We're losing stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we're sitting, I'm working on this piece right now, and it's a, a real, um, well, I don't want to go too far. It, it, it's like a real, almost like a Huckleberry Finn kind of thing, a little bit. Yeah. But it's like, but looking at some of this stuff that we've lost, rightfully so, we've lost it. But, but fuck, man, don't make language so uncolorful. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, where do we go now? Where do we go now when nothing's to offend and nothing's in, in cindery? And, you know, where does language go now? Yeah. What can we attack? What can we do? What can we clap? You know, it's like, it's a little frightening a little bit. Sometimes I think I don't belong here anymore. I think that time has passed yeah. for me. You know, it's like, oh, go, you know, okay, go put you in a cage somewhere and we're just going to stop by and look at you every once in a while. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's I don't know where that's going to go. I see. I, yeah, I kind of get the same. I get the same feeling too. And, and I go down the YouTube rabbit hole of seeing these people debate stuff, and I'm going, "Why am I watching this?" Because it just makes me feel bad about just you know, the um, the when, when you know when I'm when I'm hanging with my friends and we use you know derogatory shit at each other. It's always love, and I think it's like a dude thing. Like we got to punch each other if we're buds. Well, you know what they call that? What is that? <laughs> Negative love. Really? I get on people all the time about oh, that. Am like, I doing it, am I doing it? The, the, no, well, I have guys. Yeah. I say, you know, hey, don't, you know, fuck your negative love, man. You don't come at me like that. Come at me with straight love. Show me straight love. Really? Don't motherfucker me. Don't, you know, you come at me with straight love. Interesting. Yeah, I don't do it the whole time, but no. usually when I see someone, I'm like, oh my god, motherfucker, what's up, bitch? You know, and negative love. That's negative. Is, is that bad? That's is. Should I? Should I? Should I? Should I decide because you're the nlp uh wizard in that table so nlp me well when you're with a partner yeah and you're in bed yeah. and you're doing something yeah. okay great because yeah. you're with a partner and you're bad and you're doing something and there's certain language certain touch whatever the hell's going on yeah but to just bring that out with somebody you're not close to See, so you're close to these guys. You're close to them. You're there. They are your partners. You're there. You know what I'm saying? That's a little different than, than I, well, I come down on people that just give it to me when they don't really know me. 
Oh. It's like, hey, you don't know me good enough to call me motherfucker. Unless it's please stop, motherfucker, please stop. <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? Something. I, I mean, you don't know me good enough to say that to me. Right. You know, you know and, and that sometimes that happens. And so I'll come down on that. Do you, do you think that is a case because they think they know you more because they've read your books and they've listened to your music so they feel like they have a certain comfort level that you do not have with them in a certain way? I'm shocked when anyone knows me at all, to tell you the truth, <laughs> when somebody, like, it's like, I'm shocked at all. I just yeah, don't yeah. think, if, if someone ever, like, I'm completely fucking clueless, yeah. then anyone would even care. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. I, just I don't think someone would care. Right. You know, and what's cool is, I, I, I do like sometimes when people, um, they'll say something from something I did not expect. I was, I was somewhere, I, I was in Detroit, at this little thing in Detroit, and, and this girl goes, well, it's strange seeing you here, you know? And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not whoever you think I am. Yeah. She goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, no, I'm not. No, I'm not, I'm not from here. She goes, I know you're from California. I go, what? She goes, oh, I read so-and-so. And, and it's like, oh, wow, yeah. what a shock. Yeah. What a shock that someone actually read this. Yeah. You know, it's kind of cool. I think there's an intimacy with uh, people who are readers, and then they see the and the writer. They, there's there's a there's more of an intimacy there where they've spent six hours with you or whatever on your book, and then they 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 you know they might feel they know you. Well, they do know you a lot more than you would know them because they spent six hours with you. I guess they know him. <laughs> yes, there it is. There. All right then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> are we ending? I don't know. I thought we were. I thought we were ending on that's all, bitch. Step off, bitch. I know. We we were, but then things got uh then then we kept going. Yes. So um I, I've enjoyed our visit. I wish I could take a writing class. Yeah, well, um well I teach them for free once a month at the library, but I mean, you know, it, it's all that is just kind of character stuff. I, I don't teach in a normal way. I teach in a way that I don't know anything. Because I never went to college or anything as right. well. I had to like, read books at the library and learn it on my own. So it I, works. Yeah. It works. Yeah. It, sometimes it works even better because I, I don't know how to do it the right way. So yeah. it, I, I had an author tell me that one time. I said, I'm going to do this. He said, please don't. Yeah. Please don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> please don't. Just continue doing what you're doing. Yeah. You know, do that. Yeah. Do that. And, um, okay, and then... Uh, <laughs> I lost my thought again. Give me, give me a hypnosis suggestion. Well, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> I can't be totally self-aware. But here's what's interesting. Yeah, yeah. When you do sit in the place that you sit at, when you review this, wherever that might be, yeah. and you sit here and when you listen back to what we've talked about, that you will notice that there were words yeah. where I might have talked in a lower voice or talked in a higher voice, and there was a message in here, in this talk, that was yeah. given directly to you. And when you sit there... You will understand that message and know what I meant by it. Must kill my parents. <laughs> no, I was going to... This is what I was going to say. No, I'm serious. So you think I'm joking? Really? Yeah. Uh, so I have to listen to this whole goddamn thing again? Can, can I have someone else listen to it and go, oh... The, the interesting thing is, is that you've already listened to it. Okay. And I made sure that when I said certain words, that when yeah. you were in a certain posture, I could see when you were more open and when you were more held oh, back. Yeah, and yeah. so I used those words when you were leaning forward with a different look. Your eyes now are a little tighter than they are sometimes. Okay. And so when your eyes were a little more open, there were words that I used during those times 
that are already implanted in you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if you uh, know where I am when this is released and you need to bail me out, I love you all. Thank you so much. Jack Grisham, thank you so much for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I had a very nice visit. Thank you. Jack Grisham, everyone. Check out his books An American Dream, A Principle of Recovery, and I Wish There Were Monsters. Also, he's the founder and singer of TSOL. They still tour and do shows, even though they've been around since the early 80s. Their latest record is from 2017, entitled The Trigger Complex. Thanks for listening to Drinks with Tony. Have a great week, and I will see you next Wednesday.